Master of Horror Stephen King once said, We need ghost stories because we, in fact, are the ghosts. Thank you for listening to Weird Appalachia, a podcast all about art and Appalachian culture. With Halloween right around the corner, it's only fitting that we share some creepy Kentucky ghost stories. This episode is going to be a little bit different because not only are we telling ghost stories in Wazzy's attic in the dark, but I'm also going to be sharing your listener-submitted stories, so stay tuned. Thank you for listening to Weird Appalachia. I'm Erin. I'm Jess. I'm Wazzy. It's <laughs> <laughs> a long pause. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to a very special Halloween episode. Um, we are currently in Wazzy's creepy attic. <laughs> in the dark. Surrounded by occult items. It's <laughs> not that bad. <laughs> it's pretty empty in here. There's which a- makes it creepy. There's a tiny door that I think leads to hell. There's, Possibly. There's an actress in here. We have no clue what rituals goes on there. It's got some stains on it. Um, we'll they see. are not blood stains. <laughs> we don't know that. So, I guess we're just going to sit here in this creepy-ass attic and tell some ghost stories. <laughs> So Wazzy was a little set on playing a Ouija board for this episode, but... Well, I thought... Mama Erin said no. <laughs> we told that idea real quick. <laughs> I mean, Even if we summoned something, it wouldn't be that bad. It's Chris's house. If we summoned it, it's here. It's not going to go... Anywhere. And I mean, there is enough sage, and Palo Santo, and Fred... Like, there ain't nothing bad going to exist in this realm. <laughs> if it does, it's trapped. Or it's going to be a little scared of Wazzy. <laughs> There's a small door over there. You can keep it in there. Is that what's in the door? Well, no. That's the crawl space above my kitchen. That's the last thing I need. Something haunting above my kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Should I put a little salad in there? You'd <laughs> be in there fucking up all your potions and shit. That's what happened. <laughs> Don't need well, no extra finger. It ain't no soaking them beads no more in that cheese. Oh, I forgot about your magic butter. <laughs> oh, well, that's what's burning over there, magic butter. Really? Really? Yeah, that's butter. One of my sadhana practices is you eat a spoonful of butter right before you eat. I mean, that's what every southern cook does. <laughs> 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 I was like, that's kind of a normal thing. Right? <laughs> Not a weird thing. I was telling some, uh, uh, some other friends that, you know, I have, like in my office, I burn a butter lamp too, because it's supposed to bring in good... The energy. And they're like, you use butter as fuel? Are you Papa Dean? Are you Papa Dean? <laughs> <laughs> Papa Dean the butter, remember? He ain't got no butter no more. Oh yeah, she got a milk in shit, didn't she? Alright, so let's get down to it. We're going to talk about some scary stories. I personally, I grew up in a haunted house. I have tons, tons of stories to share. Probably too many to really fit in this episode. I know Jess has a good story. I don't know, Chris. I, I mean, my life just isn't scary. <laughs> <laughs> He's just rainbows and unicorns. I was telling some an, a friend of mine that, well, I've been kind of morbid lately talking about, like, I know I'd be okay by dying and this and that. And, <laughs> well, no, it'd be like a really cool adventure. It's like, it's not even scary. <laughs> <laughs> be like the Cheshire Cat. <laughs> so I, I grew up in like 
the hint of a holler, basically. It's, it's pretty deep. My whole life, I grew up hearing ghost stories and stuff as a kid. Cause I, I mean, I guess some of it was that whole, like, scare the kids so they'll be good kind of thing. But I experienced a lot of them, too, growing up in that house. It was, it was a house that had previously been owned and lived in by my grandparents. I don't know much about the land before my grandparents lived there. But the house we lived in was a, like a, a 70s model trailer that had been like built onto. So I always kind of wondered if something strange happened on that land like long before. Because so many strange things happened in that house while I lived there. And some of them I witnessed. Some of them were happening and people were witnessing them while I was in the room, but I didn't witness them. Because at one point, and I know this is going to sound strange, some of these sound really far-fetched and made up, but I promise, these happened. I remember everyone in the house kept saying they were hearing voices, and they were coming from a small cabinet above our refrigerator. And I never heard the voices, but it's Gabler Elves. <laughs> it's Gabler Elves. <laughs> Everyone would get really deep. That'd be a great haunting. Like, just randomly get, like, cookies. <laughs> Keyboard cookies just being packed in all the time. <laughs> Everyone would crowd around the refrigerator and would be like, do you hear that? It sounds like a room full of people up in the cabinet. And I never could hear it. And I was really bummed out at the time because I wanted to hear it. <laughs> But I remember someone actually lighting a candle and trying to communicate with it. And I was not I was young. They they didn't allow me to be around for it. But I guess they talked with whatever it was and it stopped after that. But I remember my grandmother saying, um, well, the, it just wasn't meant for you. You weren't supposed to, to hear it. It wasn't meant for you to hear that. It's strange though because my family was like super Baptist. And they kind of thought that acknowledging that kind of stuff was bad. Yeah. Like, almost sinful, because you were buying into something that was, you know, in their eyes, not true. But... Like, reading Harry Potter is the devil. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But... So much stuff happened there that I can't explain otherwise, and I'm not going to try to explain it away. It happened. I know I've told the story many times on the podcast of the time me and my sister saw the thing in our bedroom that looked exactly like Slenderman, just depicted in video games and stuff today. But wasn't he a French Slenderman? Didn't he have a beret on? He did. (laughs) (laughs) He did. Maybe he just upped his game lately. And a sweater vest. (laughs) But, I mean, we, I, I heard a lot of strange things in this house, too. I can remember as a teenager uh, sitting in the living room and hearing, it, it actually sound, what the sound was, it was outside on my porch, sounded like a deer or something had gotten caught on the porch because it just sounded like antlers scraping and hooves scraping and just chaos. But when I looked outside, I didn't see anything. And, I mean, it, it was quick enough that if it was a deer, I would have seen it. Yeah. And we heard things like that all the time, just loud crashes. Well, one night I was sleeping in my bed and the wall outside of my bed was like tin, like tin paneling. And I was woken up by something that sounded like two hands and two feet beating on the outside of the door as hard as it could. 
and that's what woke me up. And it kept going, and I was so scared. I just kind of curled up in a ball and just laid there until it stopped and just stared over at my sister who was asleep. I couldn't even wake her up. I was so terrified. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it got to the point that, you know, when we were experiencing so much stuff, especially as, you know, as a younger kid, that we had the house blessed. And, like, they went through and blessed every room and prayed over the house. And things did stop. Yeah. For a while. And I don't know, is there, like, a time limit on this kind of thing? Because... After so long, stuff started happening again. <laughs> Is that a thing? I think it just depends on like what kind of bliss or you know eviction notice you give these things. Because yeah. like my son used to see this thing, and he used to call it the dark cowboy. And I mean, I'm sure the thing is still kind of around because we've had certain friends notice this thing. Mm-hmm. But. The only thing that I ever done was like go through the house with Sage and read out of the Bible and then that really didn't work so I did it again mm-hmm. and this time I was like I'm with a mad mama. I was like get the flip out of my house. Mm-hmm. Not those words a lot worse. And leave my child alone. I'm not afraid of you. And it's just, you know, you have to be stern to say things like this. You have to, like, like flip your lid and be mm-hmm. like, I don't want to send you to hell myself. Bastard. Well, I mean, blessing is the same thing as consecration. And, I mean, the power of any consecration. I mean, it's based on the person doing it. But it also, the power of it is based on the intensity you put behind it, which is the emotion you put behind it. So, yeah. if you're just reading words out of something... Yeah, it ain't gonna do much unless you have belief and intent behind it. Yeah, you have to have Well, I mean, there was obviously something that happened because everything stopped for a very long time. But I almost think that maybe it was because there was a negativity around that maybe kind of drew things back. Or you created can, it. You can care. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I was gonna say. You can make your own negative energy happen. Because I remember there was a point in time to where there was a certain room in the house that we stopped using for a while. And I never knew why at first. They had even, um, you know those things that people used to like change behind, like hold up things? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They blocked off the whole front of the room with that and no one hardly ever went in there. It's what the living room is now. But there for a while we didn't use it. And the, the reason being... Um, me and my sister stayed up with my stepdad like one night and he was like I want you to see this I want you to see this thing and I, this happened every night and this was a while well into my teenage years mm-hmm. long after they had blessed the house um, and I hadn't seen or heard anything myself in a long time I stayed home by myself a lot yeah. never saw or heard anything around this time but around 3am every night the satellite box would turn off and you would turn it back on and it would change itself to either ESPN or ESPN2 by itself. And right as that was happening, out of the corner of my eye, underneath that that changing thing, I saw a white pair of shoes, a man's white pair of shoes. So that's why they put the screen up is because he would see, he would actually see an entire man standing there. So they, they blocked the room off. And he said it happened every night. And it scared the shit out of us, obviously. Well, of course it would. Lord. Like, <laughs> and they still live in the same place? Like, yeah. 
Yeah. So why do I mean, does it still happen? They say not. I don't think anyone's experienced anything in that house in quite a while, honestly. A teenager, and it's in the same room that you sleep in now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is funny because, like, I can remember laying in my bed. I'm not really even sure what I was doing. I think I might have been watching TV, but I was just laying there, and the light was on. And all of a sudden, this black figure just walks in my room, and I can I can remember its eyes because eyes were yellow, and I couldn't really make out exactly what it looked like. I just know that it was black, mm-hmm. and I couldn't scream. I couldn't move. All I know is I could, I could just see that thing just staring dead at me, and it was daylight out. You hadn't been asleep? Mm-mm. Hadn't been asleep. Because a lot of people think that, you know, like, oh, you got sleep paralysis. Yeah. I was like, no. And I, I, what I did was, like, in my head, I was like, all right, now you got to pray. So I started to pray, and I was like, in Jesus' name, blah, blah, and you cannot defeat me kind of thing. And all of a sudden, it was just like, it released, but the thing was still there. And I got, I mean, I shot off and ran. Yeah. You know, speaking of the sleep paralysis, I actually, I just thought of a scary story. Finally, <laughs> you have one. I mean, it's not really long, but like, so I was staying, this was when I lived in that, that big giant old house before I moved into this one. And that place was, was terrifying on its own. I mean, we, like it was like people under the stairs when we first moved in. <laughs> no, we first moved in, like, so I lived in the second floor of this, and it was a big giant old house. Uh, like the second floor of this house is bigger than my whole house now. Mm-hmm. Um, so my living room used to be the master bedroom. And then it had a huge giant walk-in closet that you could walk in. Like I would say the walk-in closet was like 10 foot by 20 foot by itself. It was mm-hmm. huge and lined with cedar. At the very back of this closet, you'd open it up. Like it had a secret panel. We went in and we're looking around see what it was. We pulled this panel. There were like little nails notched in the wall like hundreds of them and each one had an address listed underneath the nail that's creepy what does that mean (laughs) apparently they own lots of property (laughs) i found out later oh okay (laughs) but for someone just moving in and finding that yeah it's like this body remember this body is buried at this address (laughs) i remember one night we were asleep i was asleep i woke up and something was at the foot of the bed. Like, it, was, it wasn't, like, I couldn't even make anything out. It was just like, and it was so fast. It was almost like split second. It was like a humanoid figure at the foot of my bed. And then it just rushed at me. And then all of a sudden I, you know, became unparalyzed and could move around. And, you know, almost, and almost threw up on myself. Yeah. Well, the one that I have is not really my story. It's a story that I was told when I was younger. Because mm-hmm. my grandma, she swears up and down that it's true. Back when they were young, because she has like she had ten brothers and sisters. It was kind of after her dad had passed away, so her mom was the only one around, and so she's the only one that uh, took care of them. So if she went away, then the other kids watched the younger kids. Mm-hmm. And so I think one day that she had to go down to town because she walked wherever she went to. And this is in Rolton. So 
And she walked down <laughs> to get whatever she needed from the store that day, and they were supposed to, uh, you know, stay in the house, get get their chores done, whatever they needed to do. I guess my great-granny is, like, one of those people who's, like, you could throw a penny against the bed kind of thing. Have you ever seen that? I don't know what that means. What? What does that mean? Like, it's a, you know, like, you, it, there's no wrinkles in it, so, like, the penny bounces back off. Oh, yeah. okay. I didn't know. I thought yeah. that was so she weird. She had, like, Chanel bed sheets and covers and all that stuff, and there's, like, nobody was allowed on nothing because everything was white. <laughs> so, they were home by themselves, and even the older kids got in, you know, trouble. Uh, they were jumping on the beds and running through the house, playing on the seat, just playing games, just you know, things they weren't supposed to be doing. And all of a sudden, they heard a knock at the door. So my grandma's oldest brother went down to go see who it was. And they opened the door. Nobody's there. And he walks on out, you know, looking around the house. Still nobody's around. So he, they go back in and shut the door again. And so they're upstairs and they're playing and everybody's kind of hiding playing hide-and-go-seek, and some of the little kids are still jumping on the beds. They hear the door open and footsteps, and so they think it's my great-grandma coming back home, and so they're trying to hurry up picking stuff up. And one of them walks out and goes downstairs yelling like, Mom, just kind of ask her a question, I guess, and there wasn't nobody down there, but the door was wide open. So they looked around. Nobody was in the house. Looked outside, nobody's outside the house, and they kind of got afraid a little bit, but she said it didn't, like, wasn't probably 10 minutes they were back doing, you know, what they were doing, they were playing games and stuff again. Jumping on the bed, I think they even pulled the mattress off at this point. They were playing in one room, all of them together. There's probably about nine kids. All of a sudden, they hear footsteps coming up the steps. And... My grandma said the eldest boy, which is my uncle, great uncle, opened the door real quick and looked out. Nobody's there. And nobody could could have ran, you know, because it was only like they came up like three steps. Yeah. So they would have been standing on the staircase if somebody was standing there. And so nobody was there, and so they got really freaked out, and so they locked the door to the bedroom. And as soon as they did that and they started picking up everything, and they sat on the bed and it was really quiet. Then they heard steps again coming up the stairs. And then down the hallway. And it's like it's whatever this was stopped right at the door to the bedroom that they were in. And they were afraid to open the door. So they sit there and then my grandma said they started to pray. The door swung open real hard, hit the wall real loud freaked them all out and they all ran outside and ran down to where my grandma was getting groceries in Holton because they were that freaked out. <laughs> but yeah, they could she's like, there wasn't never nobody there and she's like, I can tell you one thing. Whatever it was, we'll come and get you if you don't listen and you're home alone. <laughs> and I was like It's kind of a point of discipline. <laughs> so did it ever happen again after that? She never said it happened again or anything like that. I don't know if it was if it was a story that she really would, you know, this is just something that always, like, you you know, if you don't do what you're supposed to when your parents are gone, or if you're not doing what you're supposed to, <laughs> this thing's going to come to your house and they'll come in kind of thing. So, 
traumatize the children. Well, it's kind of funny because, I mean, my dad's told me stories like how parents, well, my grandparents used fear as a disciplinary tactic. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of other people did. And my dad would tell me stories like, so where this house sits, the big mountain across the road, there is a graveyard on the main top of it. Mm -hmm. And when dad used to tell me when he would misbehave or do something, and this was when he was like, 12, 13, if he misbehaved, my grandfather would make him go to the top of the hill in the middle of the night and stay there. Oh my god. Shut up. I would shit myself. So hard. I would not even make it out the door. I'd be like screaming. If if that would have been me at like 12 or And it's creepy. Like, I have been to it it in the daytime. It is creepy as I'll get out. I mean, there's people up there buried from like the 1800s. Oh, we haven't visited. Oh, black cat enters the room. A really fat black cat. Yeah, he's a daddy. <laughs> he's sweet. Oh, he likes the bike. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I touched the wrong. I thought it's okay. <laughs> he's emotionally high strung. Like he's really calm and sweet, like me. But then he just gets emotionally high strung, and then. And then, he, then he starts doing that. No touching. This He's got a really strong foot fetish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, feet. I'm just oh, rolling on their yeah. rice feet. He's like, oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys ever played with a Ouija board? Board, yeah. I have. And I really wanted to tonight, but. <laughs> Someone got a little too terrified. I didn't get terrified. I didn't want to curse your house. That'd be fine. You'll like, <laughs> just, just haul her down the stairs. Baby, we summoned a demon. I never played the Ouija board, but I do remember being in grade school and going to church. <laughs> and a friend saying, let's have a seance. In the Baptist church. <laughs> in the basement. Oh, in a dark room. That's creepy. Put a baby doll in a plastic shopping cart in the middle of us in a circle as we hold hands. And this girl is like trying to summon a spirit. And then we got caught. <laughs> we got caught by one of the, the old church ladies. And she got very concerned. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. How you know what we could do? We could do light as a feather, stiff as a board, try to lift, lift me off the ground. <laughs> oh my god, I used to play that all the time. We tried to do that all the time. It was so funny too because there were like, I'd say there's probably eight girls lifting my little butt up. Like, I probably didn't weigh 90 pounds, something lift. Yeah, they could have lifted you with their fingers. <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> Be like, my turn. <laughs> yeah, well, we did have friends like that. I was like, okay, it's my turn. And then they'd get down there and we would be like, it's not working anymore. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever experience anything weird when you played with the Ouija board? Um, no, but when we play Aces, I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still have done that before. Um. And if anybody don't know what aces is, it's like you lay, you have a regular set of cards and you lay all the aces out and you, it's like, yes, no, maybe, I don't know. And um, then like whatever it is, like diamonds, hearts, whatever is your answer. And you, you open it up just like you would if you're playing with a Ouija board and you close it 
the same way. Um, mm -hmm. You just ask questions, you know, the same way you would a Ouija board. You just don't get it spelled out. You just, it's a yes or no game. So mm -hmm. I remember in high school, like we played it out in the park one day. I don't even know why we were there. We just on a field trip or something down to the park in town. And me and a couple other friends, we were just like, oh, let's play. And we had some weird crap happen. Like we had pencils laying beside of us, and then they just spin around. They they were spinning around in circles. So pencils are. I mean, when the pencils started turning around, we were kind of like, oh my god, let's quit. <laughs> I mean, there's all kinds of people that died in this house, but <laughs> lovely. Well, like this room right here. Well, this used to be a bedroom. And I th I'm pretty sure, like this house is a hundred years old, and the first person to head it, I think. It was like my great, great, great aunt, but like my yeah, grandfather. Yeah, your mom tried to give me the like. My grandfather took I care of her, but she passed away, and like this was her bedroom right here. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure she passed away right here. <laughs> we're laying. Yeah. <laughs> nice. We're just laying. Oh no, I have a picture somewhere of this old house, and like it was like so old, the bricks weren't even underneath. It was just like trees holding it up, and they had a mule out front with a coffin, getting ready to pull it up. I think she's buried on the hill in that old graveyard. <laughs> to me, that doesn't scare me, though. That's kind of awesome. Because rarely anyone is somebody die at home. They usually die yeah. in the hospital. That's true. And, I mean, fam family. Family doesn't seem scary. Yeah, I know. You know? Like, yeah. this is haunted by, like, my great aunt and probably my grandma. <laughs> what are they going to do? Play feature? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> A few days ago, I made a post in the Weird Appalachia Facebook group asking for our listeners' ghost stories, and y'all did not disappoint. If you're not a member of the Facebook group, periodically I'll make posts asking for listener-submitted stories and input on episodes, so if that sounds like something you're interested in, just go to facebook.com, search Weird Appalachia Podcast Group, and click or tap join. And there were so many amazing submissions that there's absolutely no way that I could share them all here on the podcast. So if you're listening and you want to read more, be sure to log on to weirdappalachia.com in the coming days, uh, and you'll be able to read the full submission list there. This story was submitted by Mary Daniel. So when I was little, my dad got a job in Virginia. We moved into a brand new house in a big subdivision. I started first grade and I hated it there. I kept getting pushed out of my bed at night, so I'd go into my parents' room, but in there you could hear a scratching noise go from one corner of the attic to the other. Things would fall. There was nothing in the attic, there was only a square cutout as an excess point where my dad lifted me up to put peanut butter on mousetraps. We lived there a total of 22 days, and we moved back to South Carolina. Years later, my brother said something about that house. I told him what I remembered, and then he told me what the kids at school had said. They said a man stayed behind at lunch to finish the attic. His sleeve got caught in the circular saw and it cut his arm off. He tried crawling to the opening in the ceiling, but he bled to death in the attic. The scratching was him. Submitted by a listener who wished to remain anonymous. Okay, so a little background. Harrisburg is the first permanent establishment west of the Appalachian Mountains, and for a long time it was the heart of Dunmore's War. Settlers versus Native Americans, Daniel Boone, all that. 
My house is about three minutes from the Boyle County line, right on 127. The house was built on top of an old well, and across the road was a graveyard that was all grown up. Went over there once, and the graves were old. Harrisburg was founded in 1774. These graves were 1772 and such. The ones that I could make out. And there was about 20-ish graves in this small patch of unkept brush. Behind the house was a massive field. The farmer was this nice guy who didn't care if we went back and played on his land. About 50 yards from the house, in the field, was this ancient dead tree. The kind that's just massive and grows all over the ground and it's perfect to climb on. There was about 15 to 20 round stones sticking up out of the ground like gravestones. So more graves, just not stones made for them, engraved and all that. And at that field, you could just go out and shuffle your foot around and pick up arrowheads like seashells on a beach. When we were first moving there, my mom said she went to drop off a few boxes a few days before we were actually moved in. And there was a fireplace in the living room. She said that she sat the box down in the living room, turned around and looked at the fireplace, and had to haul ass out of there. Nothing really happened. Just fight or flight hit her, as in something was there. When I was a kid, I'd hear footsteps up and down the hallway. I'd wake up at 2 a.m. every single morning and hear these footsteps. I even pissed the bed a few times because I was too scared to get up and go to the bathroom. These steps would start at the end of the hall, come up to my end of the hall, my bedroom door, stop, turn around, and repeat. I knew of a few spirits there. There were about three kids, some sort of comforting, peaceful spirit, maybe the mother, and there was also something incredibly evil there. But I got super attached to the place either way. There were a few times when I'd have a friend sleep over and they'd end up calling their moms to come get them at like 4 a.m. Another time I woke up and the poor girl was terrified. I asked her what happened. She said there were kids in the tree outside of the window all night laughing at her. They had no eyes, she said. I had seen these guys a few times, and a couple of times in the same tree. Once my parents were outside on the back porch, the sun was setting. We noticed this fog that was formed like a line coming across the hill in the field. It was a perfect line. It was weird. As it got closer, it looked more and more like people. We went inside. It was this definite threatening feeling in the air. I used to have a recurring dream. And I haven't had it since I moved out of that house. I lived there for 18 years. And I would have a real aerial view of the ground, road, and front yard of my house. There would be a green fog roll up and out of the graveyard ground, slowly roll across the road, up the yard, up the side of the house, in through the chimney. Then the view would change and follow the fog coming up the fireplace, through the house, down the hall, and as soon as this fog right up into my face, I'd wake up in a cold sweat, unable to breathe. I'd have that dream three to four times a month for 18 years and only when I was asleep in my house. And this happened a few times. You'd hear this massive boom and the house would shake. Like windows would rattle, shit fell off the mantle once. It always sounded like it came from the garage. Always sounded like something huge falling over. The garage is close to where the well is. Every time, we'd all run out to the garage looking for something that fell. Nope. Not a thing out of place. Other than whatever fell off tables. 
The first time it happened, we thought it was an earthquake. And we were calling people, did you feel that? They had no idea what we were talking about. We'd watch the news expecting them to say something about an earthquake, but nah. Once I was playing out in the field and I found a tomahawk head. I took it home because it was a pretty amazing find. The next morning I woke up and it was freezing. I look over at my dresser where I sat in the thing and there's this tall black figure. It wasn't perfectly shaped like a human, but it was pretty close. Then I realized it was staring at me. Then I realized it was moving towards me. I remember I screamed, dear God, please, and it was gone. I picked up that tomahawk head and threw that fucker back over the fence and never saw the figure again after that. Submitted by Dan Brown. So here's a couple from where I work now. East Carter was the site of the first modern school shooting. My class is actually across the hall from where it happened. My friend across the hall always comments on what happens at night and occasionally during the day. Things like lights burning out quicker than normal, things getting moved, and hearing desk chairs moving. In the gym where a student athlete passed suddenly, you can hear bouncing basketballs at night, unnatural coldness, and the sound of someone running up and down the court. I've actually stayed in the gym a couple times and we've heard a couple things. Submitted by Lacey Hale. I used to have a studio space at the Artisan Center in Hindman. It was before they moved to the actual Artisan Center into the studio building, and I was usually there alone. To get in, there was a front door you'd have to unlock, and then you'd go through a second door into the facility. One day I was going there to work about midday. I unlocked and went through the first door, and it closed behind me. I pushed through the second door as it shut behind me, and I heard talking. It was a woman's voice speaking in a loud whisper. I couldn't make out the words, but it was like she was right next to me. I didn't think too much about it, and I walked through the downstairs checking to see if anyone was there. I just figured I was hearing someone speak that was in another studio. I started calling out, but no one was there. I went upstairs to my studio and was fine until it started getting dark, and it hit me that that was actually pretty weird. Another time shortly after that, I went to the studio. Again, I was the only person in the building. I went upstairs and got settled in. I started working and suddenly it sounded like a ton of bricks fell in the middle of the floor. I started hearing something moving around like shuffled footsteps. No one was there, nothing had fallen, and I left quickly. Again in the studio and all alone. The walls are sort of like cubicle walls and the, there are spaces between the wall and the ceiling. I could see the next studio from mine. I was sitting there working and looked up, and it looked like the top of someone's head showing above the wall. It was black hair. Someone must have come in to work, I thought. So I went to say hi, so I wouldn't scare them. No one was there, and I thought that was pretty weird. I turned around to walk back to my studio space. The way back to my space, you could see directly down the hall into the bathroom, if the door was open. The bathroom is in a dimly lit corner. As I walked back and looked down the hall and into the bathroom, it looked as though a woman with long black hair was bent over the sink. I did not stop to see what was going on. I went straight into my studio, grabbed my purse, and left. I stopped going there as often after that. Submitted by Tiffany Markham I was living with a good friend in Whitesburg after college in 2007-2008-ish. 
The home was deeded to her from her deceased grandparents. It was a lovely home. We each had our own huge bedrooms and private bathrooms. I used to sleep with my door open, and I was mad because I couldn't sleep one night. I tossed and turned. Something came into the room. I wanted to speak, but couldn't. It crawled into bed with me. The mattress sank down, and it rolled towards me. It touched my face. It was like a burning tingle. After that, I slept with a nightlight, door closed, and Bible in my bed. Submitted by Juanita Dixon McClurg. My parents split up when I was a teenager, so my mom, a little brother, and I moved out and into an old house. When my friends stayed over late at night, they would often tell me they saw my little brother in the hall and playing peekaboo around the corner. Every single time I would check and he would be asleep. A few years later, when I was about 19, my mom and brother moved out to a house a few streets over and my high school boyfriend moved in. Our friends were over a lot and would say that they saw a man in the window as they were pulling up even when it was just me at home. Doors started opening and closing on their own. Things started getting moved around. Late at night, I could hear something shuffling around in the kitchen. Then one night, my boyfriend took a friend to the airport in Louisville, three hours away. So he was gone most of the night. I fell asleep with the TV on, but woke up in the middle of the night to silence. The TV was still on, but it was like it was muted. Then all of a sudden, my bedroom door opened with so much force that it hit the wall, bounced back shut, and opened again. I ran to the kitchen and grabbed a knife thinking someone was in the house. I checked every room. No one was there. The doors were locked and the windows were closed. Then the sound of the TV came back on. I'd seen enough horror movies to know it only gets worse from there, so shortly after, I moved out and in with my mom a few streets over. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard and you want to support the podcast, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Again, a huge thank you to all our listeners who submitted stories. Don't forget, you'll be able to read them all in the coming days on our website, weirdappalachia.com, in a series of blog posts. Stay spooky and keep Appalachia weird. <laughs>